Welcome to the first episode of Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. The first guest I had on is an old friend, Jesse Fillingham. He's a very precise and delicate illustrator and a new father. And we talk about that experience. Hope you enjoy. figure when I talk to people on the phone, it usually is about an hour and is usually interesting. So that's how I'm starting. But with you, the main thing is the fatherhood thing. Yeah. Because I find so little information on that. And, uh, and we'll talk about why I think that is, but it's kind of shocking to me that it's not a more important discussion because it's a pretty confusing one compared to a normal person making that decision. I feel like the variables are quite uh, more complex in terms of like need for focused time and yeah, and an inner interior life. But uh, how you been anyway? Uh, pretty good. I mean good and what's up are you exhausted uh well i'm back on the coffee so that's helping but um yeah i mean that's definitely a fact more a factor now than it was when he was first born actually um but yeah it's just one of the many challenges of raising a kid is they need to learn how to sleep uh so yeah that's complicating things obviously yeah how old is he but not not He's six months. Six months. And you plan on having more kids? Not sure. I mean, that's a kind of something we've been talking about a little bit recently because, you know, there's a tight window to have another kid in terms of just age. So, um, yeah, we're trying to figure that out now. So if we do, it'll be probably you know maybe trying again in springtime or something so uh, so you're you're not horrified by the experience you're willing to do it again i think i would be i mean <laughs> it's more of a logistical uh consideration than uh than anything else at this point i think where which is includes money obviously um right which, like I said, maybe it might all come back to money, um, money and time, because we're, we're we have a situation now where we're figuring it out with our work schedules and some family helping out. But then, you know, so we're not paying for any childcare yet, but we will be eventually, and that's expensive. And then add another one in the mix. It's just, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, when you were making the decision to have kids, were you thinking about yourself as a normal person or as an artist? <laughs> uh, I think that distinction matters. At, at least in my calculations, it matters. Um, that's a good question. 
probably more of a normal person was the consideration because if I was like thinking about, about the art specifically, that would have probably balked a bit more, but I think it's just, that also might be indicative of how, you know, art is in some ways kind of more on the back burner these days. And it had been starting in the pandemic. So, um, yeah, but I think I've, I've said this to my wife before that like, if money wasn't, uh, a hurdle probably would have had kids much earlier and not that it's not now it's just, you know, time became a factor. So because you're how old? I'm 36 and, um, okay. yeah, my wife's 35, soon to be 36. So we're up, we're getting up there. It's uh-huh. considered uh-huh. a, uh, geriatric pregnancy, even though they don't use that terminology. <laughs> they don't anymore, but that's I a like recent that. change. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. I still use it cause it's, uh, it's fantastic. But so do you, do you walk around at this point thinking of yourself as a normal person more than an artist? As a commoner? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've always, it's, it vacillates between feeling that way and not. So I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a common man, but, uh, yeah, I've got some, some different wrinkles than other people, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I think about in your situation is that you work so slowly yes. and and I just imagine everything you draw takes a long time. It does. And that sucks because I imagine that's the one thing you're not getting a lot of right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, yeah, everything does take a long time. That's been like kind of a an issue I've had with my work for a few years now. And I've wanted to kind of address it, but I keep getting reeled back in by rendering and just preferring to do that kind of work. But what takes me the longest these days, at least the past few years, and maybe even my whole time making art in my life is just figuring out what to do is the hardest part in a lot of ways. Um, And once I have something figured out, I can just pop on and steal time here or there, stay up a little bit and just work on things, which is great. Just having something I can, uh, just sit down and immediately start working on. But the, the ideation phase is, has always been the, the trickiest part for me. And that's probably what's suffered the most with my son being around is I usually need, uh, a lot of time for that, like more time than is. I'd like to admit, uh, to come up with ideas. So I can only most days just steal 30 or 40 minutes here or there, which isn't nearly enough to kind of get into the zone. Yeah. So you're not overwhelmed with ideas. Uh, no, I wish I, I wish I was. (laughs) And do you ever consider using other people's ideas? And, you know, like adapting a book or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've thought about that because I am, a big fan of, you know, mythology and, you know, speculative fiction and things like that. So I have thought about adapting some work just to kind of expedite the process a bit, but just haven't, haven't gotten there yet. But, um, but yeah, maybe I should start leaning into that these days. 
Yeah, I mean, as I think about children, the most organic thing I can imagine is making kids' books for them as they, you know, maybe different stages of their growth. Mm -hmm. I think that's the only way to have them and keep making art in a, in a conceptually consistent way, you know, like making little toys for them or integrating them into your life. I just try to imagine separating the two and maybe like Miyazaki. And it just seems like a horrible thing to do. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really view it as a, well, where I'm at right now, at least Mm -hmm. I don't really view it as a binary. It's, like they are kind of separate worlds right now. Maybe when he's older and mm. more interested and able to, you know, ask me about what I'm doing and show some interest, I might uh, feel differently. But <clears throat> yeah, right now it's it doesn't feel like it's an either or situation. Like I mean, I guess, but you know, then there's Tolkien with The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings were written for his kids um, in large part, which is pretty amazing that's what i mean yeah i mean i think i think alice in wonderland was written for i don't know if that was his child but something similar like that Mm. not not like a concerted careerist move it it was just an organic shift and uh i mean it's interesting because in punk music it's often like the the worst thing that can happen is they have kids the lead singer as a kid (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's interesting to consider where where it works, where it doesn't. I mean, punk is so yeah, it's very angry, it's got a specific you know? energy. Yeah, but I, I could see it would kind of mellow some people out. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. How long have you worked for James Jean? Uh, in total, it's let's see. In total, six and a half years, roughly. Has that led to, has that inspired you in respect to what art can do or done the opposite? Um, oh, man. Here's some sticky, <laughs> sticky territory. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you don't have to answer that, I guess. Um, I, mean, no, it's, I suppose it's, we, could, we could make it vague and abstract. It seems to me that when someone works full-time orbiting around another artist, or around art handling, it isn't always the most inspiring or conducive to making your own art. Uh, no, yeah, it's been pretty. Yeah, it, it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't actively inspire me. That's for sure. I mean, but it also. Um, I'm not doing creative work at all. I'm pretty much just a, a wrist that knows how to paint and draw mm. and work in Photoshop. So it's not kind of exhausting my creative drive gotcha. when I'm off the clock, which is great. Where if I was having to come up with concepts or, you know, backgrounds or whatever, it would probably drain me quite a bit more than my current job does. Um, so. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm, I feel, don't feel when I come home and I have some time to work, I don't, my, my problems are my own. It's not uh, derived from the day job at all. Yeah. So, but in, to answer your question, it, the career of the artist I work for 
is inspiring just to see how much success you can have outside of a traditional path in the art world. Um, but you know, on the same hand, I, I see what it takes to, to get there and, um, to, to can recognize it not for me. And then I'm fine with that. It's just the grind is real. Um, right. So, yeah. I think it's interesting to consider since we first met the way we both might view art making or illustration at this point, at least for me, I know from a young age, I thought making art meant you, you just made stuff that ended up in a museum and I had no (laughs) other examples. I didn't really know any professional artists or designers. So that was the assumption for me. But over time, I I became clear as to which thing I didn't want to do mm-hmm. and how open the idea of being an artist could be. So I'm kind of curious from your perspective, from ICON, the illustration conference forward, how has your identity changed around that label? I mean, like you said earlier, it doesn't sound like it's a major part of your identity. You're not walking around the streets of L.A. thinking of yourself as an artist um well i I am and i'm not because i'm you know imposter syndrome is real i also have a lot of um issues that i probably still need to work out around disliking most of my work while also (laughs) being really proud of it um yeah but uh i don't know I, i think I didn't really know. I didn't know what being an artist meant either. I just liked comics when I was younger and then somehow learned about illustration and just, you know, sure. I'll try that out. And kind of like bumbled my way through, like I wasn't very informed as to how to like have a career in the art world or illustrate, even though I got a degree in illustration, I still didn't really understand what that meant. And I think, as I went through school, it was less and less appealing to me. And I still have some ambivalent feelings about it. Like on one hand, I'm like, Oh, you can make money if you just put your work out there more like, uh, knock on people's doors, advertise. But on the other hand, I'm like, I'd rather just make my own stuff. I have no real interest in, uh, making work commissioned work, but, um, but I don't know if that's uh, a fear-based, uh, feeling or just actually how I feel about, uh, making artwork at this point, because I, I have enjoyed plenty of, uh, commissioned work. Um, but there is a lot of trepidation around it for me for whatever reason, uh, more, more issues that would probably, uh, benefit me to have ironed out a little bit. Well, you get good commission work. You get mostly music uh, yeah. related things, which can be a pain in the ass and not pay much, but at least the product tends to be far more interesting than editorial illustration. And if I recall correctly, your senior thesis of illustration didn't even strike me as illustration, it struck mm-hmm. me as art or maybe that's your school where it's like, at least the school I went to, it's it was very clear that people were doing assignments as their senior thesis. Yeah, and I think it's definitely a school thing. At least the instructors I um, 
gravitated towards emphasize personal work over commissioned work in a big way, which was very liberating and inspiring, but, you know, kind of broke me at the same time. Not that I would have like had a successful career otherwise in the editorial world, but, um, I'm really grateful for it, but, uh, kind of, that's what I prefer to do at this point, which, you know, can pigeonhole you, but to your point about the, you know, music and record covers, I, that's, an industry where you can look at someone like Robert Beatty and, you know, from the outside, it looks amazing. And he's got kind of the, the dream career for illustration, but I'm sure there's plenty of records that are slogs. I guess that's just life though. Not everything. Yes. Bubble gum and lollipops. Nothing good is at least. Yeah. I guess I, I asked because when I think about the topic of fatherhood, as being an artist, it's interesting to consider what one is willing to sacrifice and what it is they're sacrificing. So if you were going full on career mode and your art was sustaining everything, you weren't working for James Jean, you would have to sacrifice. I don't, I don't know. It's an interesting, as I, as I get older, I think I become far less attached to certain concepts of being an artist. And there is some shame around that, I think, because 10 years ago, I thought I needed art to be alive. Mm. And that probably made for better art, if I'm being frank. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I don't know that I've ever... Maybe I have felt that way. Um... High school, maybe? No, not not high school at all. I mean, no. no. I mean, I was I was the doodler. I never really like made stuff consistently until I started taking classes. And um, yeah, no, I don't know. Um, like, you think it would bother you if you made one drawing a year? But you I mean, we'll had, that, a good, ask, had a good ask family me in January 2023. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, it, it, it would. And I, you know, maybe I'll try to make, you know, five pieces a year. I mean, it, that's pushing it this year, which is a big asterisk because it's, you know, first year yeah. of life really figuring things out. But no, I mean, I've kind of been wrestling with that recently because the productivity is so low and, I have for the past few years felt like I'm all, I'm all out of juice. Um, like I don't feel inspired, uh, all that often these days. So I have started kind of mulling over the, the potential of not making art as just a kind of a thought experiment. And, um, because there's also the pressures of posting and, making art for pats on the head and things like that. The ego, which trying to separate from my own work as well. And yeah, I'm not sure if I, if I need to make art, it's, it's, I'm trying to like narrow down why I make art these days, I guess. Um, yeah, same. Cause it's, I, it's not, yeah. It's not for any like huge audience. I'm not making much money at all from it. Um, but I keep trying, you know, banging my head against that wall. Um, so I think I, I would, 
I don't think I would love the idea of making a piece a year unless it was some incredibly elaborate uh, piece that I was really proud of. But uh, I'd like to be making a bit more than that on my own modest scale. Yeah, you know, that's that compartmentalization. It's kind of what I was talking about earlier, where if you can integrate it, you find much more purpose. For instance, if you were making a kid's book for your kid when they were five, there would be so much more fuel than making it for its own sake. Yeah. And as you're talking about separating out the audience in some sense, although conflating it with ego, which I think makes some sense, but also it's important to have a social click that you care somewhat about. I, I feel like I've lost that at least digitally. I have it locally, uh, but the quality of those artists locally is lower. But I feel that compartmentalizing that stuff and removing that stuff cynically sometimes has the reverse effect of just not giving you any fuel. Even if the fuels are shallow in the beginning, you just want to be liked or have more followers. I think that if handled correctly, they can be converted into the correct orientation. But if you strip it all out, you might have no reason to make it anymore. I think, I mean, I think you just, yeah, just nailed it in terms of where I was at recently in terms I hadn't posted in quite a long time and kind of stopped thinking about Instagram and was quite frustrated with the the platform and kind of just stopped caring about, about it. And I think it did affect me in a negative way because I don't have a huge local click either of like-minded artists that I um, talk to or hang out with. So yeah, I think it kind of just the, the practice kind of started, you know, withering away a bit, uh, which is probably a factor, but. Yeah, yeah. we're not, we're not so pure in the end. Like just, <laughs> just to have the incentive to make it for itself seems ideal, but. I mean, I knew yeah. I was never pure cause I, I do need, I do need people uh, I need, I do need praise for sure. It feels good. It helps. Um, I like sharing that. Yeah. So. I mean, that's fine. That's not an impurity per se. I don't think it's kind of just about having the right audience that feeds back into the work correctly. Yeah. If it's arbitrary likes from unknown people, that's probably not necessarily the correct audience, but at this age, I'm sure around you as well at least a lot of my friends in LA, they, you know, the natural branching, albeit they try very hard not to grow up, the natural branching of life and circumstances, just, you know, tearing them apart. And that's the thing I miss about school. You know, school, that's its primary function is just having people around to make work with and bounce off of each other. Yeah. Or like I used to care about the comics uh, scene and I sincerely don't. (laughs) And I just feel like I've aged, like I'm very old because of the rate at which things change, you know? Um, And maybe that's the truth of it. If we didn't develop that niche strongly digitally, uh, social media in that sense, 
Maybe it's over for us. I think it might be. <laughs> I'm completely fine with that because I, I've, you know, so many other things I, I want to do. That identity yeah. is fading. And once you don't worship the algorithm for like three years, it's not going to suddenly reward you. No, no. It's in the hoops you have to jump through at this point are so elaborate that even if you got back into it, it it's, you'd just be treading water at that point. So it's just, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like Instagram's an absurd platform at this point. Um, sadly, cause it was pretty amazing for a while. I mean, that's the Tumblr yeah. story, you know, I only had so much energy to dedicate to these platforms and I chose Tumblr and I chose wrong apparently. And I mean, uh, we're, we're all wrong in the end. <laughs> yes, but I don't want to get all relative about it. It's lifespan was certainly shorter yeah. and, and translating that currency was ineffective for me, but that's a, that can be a, a liberating thing. I think it's just about finding new anchors that are maybe realer. And that's the thing I could see that might be cool about having a family and kids. Uh, obviously it embeds purpose in your life and meaning. But the question for me is what does it do to the art process? And I've asked a lot of artists and that that's something I do want to focus on because you do often read about these great artists who are just horrible at everything else. Uh, yeah. I don't think of Can you think of a single artist who, I mean, it stands out as a good parent. I don't know why we would know that information, but I think yeah, I was going to say, there's people that I, I I'd like to think were good parents, but um, <laughs> like uh, Gene Wolfe, the, the writer, but he may not have been. Uh, why do you like to think he's a good parent? Oh, well, well, look at maybe, it, I don't know. Get, I think about it right before I sleep every night and it helps me get cozy and yeah. Yeah, no, no, Michael. <laughs> you know that he has kids, obviously, or had kids. Yeah, he has had multiple kids and uh, worked full-time before. And he wasn't published till he was in his 40s and worked full-time and got up early every morning to write. So he was supporting his family. That's insane. And um, he recommended that for writers uh, as well, just have a full-time job because the time you have to work is that much more precious. So you get much more done than, you know, kind of the, the writer staring out the window, daydreaming and going on long walks, but which I can see truth, the truth in that, but also, you know, sometimes you need some more time, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that would, that is the argument for kids making you a better artist that I hear. Is that time becomes this? Yeah. There's no fucking around. It's yeah. But I can't imagine in the first two years it's like that at all. No, I mean it's it it could be like that, but um, yeah, it's still figuring it out at this point. But and you're uh, lamenting your your coffee juice. <laughs> is that something you struggle? No, with? I'm not. I'm not. It's not. No, I mean I don't. Maybe I was projecting uh, uh, some coffee judgment onto you, um, but uh, but no, I I'm not lamenting. It's fucking fantastic right now. Uh, but I did go off of it for right before he was born, and wasn't drinking any coffee for a bit. But um, I'm back, baby. It's helpful. <laughs> nice. 
but yeah. So it sounds like you don't have any things on the horizon art wise that are exciting to you right now. No, I, I mean, I've, I had just recently started a new piece, which, uh, I'm excited about it's be another graphite rendering with, you know, acrylic, the uh, airbrush background. Um, and I'm doing a t-shirt design right now that I've been, you know, struggling with, but might have maybe getting somewhere with that as well. So there's a couple of things that are, that are nice. popping up, but, um, yeah, and I've always got little plans for things and, half starts but um but yeah i'm quite slow as as you said no yeah i'm looking through the instagram right now it's looking good but you would say inspirationally you're just exhausted right i mean that seems like something that happens in your 30s it's almost as if we've taken in too much too fast too disparately i don't think mm. it's weird to be inspired like for instance i'm sure gene wolf is a huge inspiration I don't think there's anything odd about being inspired by two, three different artists. And that's it. I think there's something far stranger about being inspired by a thousand single images from artists. You might not even know. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, yeah, I could see that, um, for sure. But yeah, cause I mean, I, I do have a folder that, and this might be a, an unhealthy habit of like, just, like an inspiration folder that I, you know, add to all the time, but, and it's as varied as you could imagine, uh, which is exciting and inspiring, but then it does kind of pull you or pull me in many different directions because there's so many potential avenues that I feel like my art could go in and things I could try, uh, that, that it just kind of halts all progress. You just, yeah, gets stuck because there's almost too much uh, opportunity potential. Yeah, I mean, I think every artist thinks their work isn't very consistent, but your work is very consistent. So I don't sense that being pulled in many directions thing. Well, it's because I just don't make much. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do, it's it's very consistent. Yeah, it's very I guess, clear. I, I suppose so. And you bring digital processes in only to finish, it looks like. Um, it depends on the, the project. Um, I, I'll enjoy playing around with stuff digitally, but uh, yeah, for some of the originals I make, obviously there's no digital work, but you know, for a record cover, there could be. Uh, there usually is, or things of that nature, just commissioned work or other digital stuff is just might just be experimental just starting and finishing a whole piece digitally right yeah no i think i prefer when i can tell it's primarily not digital the work you do yeah you, you have a for whatever reason my little uh digital digital thumbprint is uh repulsive to you <laughs> Yeah, there's something about the colors. You know, it's such an un it's such an unrestrained world. Any color you want, any at any time, anywhere. I think it can bring out the worst 
often. Yeah, I feel like I've never been great at colors um, for whatever reason. So maybe there might be something to that. But I, I all the stuff I've posted that's digital, I'm, I like. Um, but well, I can see you probably had more fun. Sometimes. I mean, often, well, with digital work, it, it can be quite frustrating because I don't feel like I have a, a well-worn past in terms of process for it. So I'm just kind of bumbling around but for like graphite drawings or some of the toned paper and charcoal pieces uh it's a pretty clear path that i follow and there's very rigid order orders of things that can happen and when they can happen that it um that it's almost easier in some ways to work uh, on in an on an analog piece than digitally. Interesting. Do you find it? Uh, do you enjoy making the work? Uh, you, well, I do. I mean, once. Well, I dislike. Well, I don't dislike. It's the the first half of the process is quite painful, usually, which is ideation and sketching. Um, I feel like I've just gotten worse and worse at drawing. I mean, I, I look back at my work and I, that's definitely not true. I just think I take my tastes have changed. So I spend more time refining things than I did before for better or worse. Um, but I do feel like I can't draw as well as I did at school, which I'm sure is true. So the ideation takes a long time, which tied to that is like the reason why am I making this? And I think too much probably about how the viewer will respond to it. Um, I have little, a million little critics in my brain. But then, so the sketch phase takes a while as well, and that's painful. But then once all that's figured out, it's usually quite enjoyable. Just the, the rendering, noodling stages, uh, therapeutic in a way. Yeah, I think that's important to know how not enjoyable the majority of making artists. That's uh, brutal for me, at least it's, it's awful. <laughs> Which probably means you'll be a good parent because I think the people who suffer with having children are the people who try to avoid suffering because hmm. it doesn't sound fun to have a, a lot child. of, a lot of it isn't. Yeah, Yeah. Most of it is probably horrible. Uh, like anything worth doing. I mean, I think that's the hard thing about uh, contemplating it for me. I mean, I'm not a, he- a hedonist, so thankfully, but I feel like hedonists don't do well with it because it's most of the time not pleasurable. Yeah, but I mean, the the highs you get are, you know, higher than most other highs you get in life. Uh, and I mean... Listen, I've, it's only six months, but like it can be pretty amazing. But yeah, those are fleeting moments, and a, a lot of it is, you know, anxiety, stress, uh, frustration, all those things. But um, what are those amazing moments? Just well, just him, you know, laughing, figuring things out. Uh, yeah, just just interaction. So the first, I don't know couple months were pretty rough for me and for fathers in general, a lot of times, because you, you're not, you can't bond with this thing because he has 
-hmm. your child has no idea where they are. They're not engaging at all. And so you're just there. The mother bonds with breastfeeding, feeding, they carried them. So it's a whole different ball game with them. But, um, but yeah, so now that he's kind of developing a personality and you can engage with him a bit more, it's, uh, it's quite fun when he's open to it and, uh, in a good mood. <laughs> so, so are you just being ignored for the first two weeks? For months, really. Yeah. No, you, you oh, months, can't right? even really like see you yet. Like their eyes are open, but their vision isn't great for a while. Then you can try to make them laugh as much as you want. And it's quite difficult. Maybe not too much. I have to go back and look at photos to really remember, but it's, it feels like a long time where they're just kind of just this helpless little bag of flesh that is not really, that just, they just eat, they're eating and pooping machines for quite a while. And you're just sitting around waiting for that attention in some, in some ways. Yeah. In some ways. Some yeah, connection. Cause it's, cause it's like, yeah. Cause that makes it worthwhile or more worthwhile is when obviously there's some, some feeling involved. Whereas for a while it was just like, yeah, this is, I guess this is my kid. Or did somebody just drop this thing off? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's just the, this being is here now. Like, I don't know what's going on. So Yeah. Did you imagine having kids your whole life? Um, no, not at all. Uh, but I wasn't averse to the thought of it. I just, I wasn't someone that was like, oh, I'm definitely going to have kids. It was kind of a question mark for, for a while. And I don't know, that could just be a career path thing. Like maybe if I was some, finance guy i would have made the decision much sooner to have kids but um but yeah no it wasn't it was always i was always quite nervous about it for obvious reasons such a huge lifestyle change and yeah the money the stress all that comes with it was quite daunting to me i mean you were already a dad in some ways right <laughs> you mean like a, a zaddy I don't know what that is, but the lifestyle uh, <laughs> change isn't that dramatic, is it? Well, no. I mean, yeah, you're right. We're kind of. You, what are you doing? What are you? I'm just partying a lot, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it wasn't a huge life, but it, there is a lifestyle change in the sense that, like, you can't just oh, let's go, let's go do this this weekend or whatever. Like, you're much more restricted and the the few times we foray out of the world are uh, you have to consider them much more than we used to oh absolutely but uh, yeah you're right no we weren't it's not as big of a lifestyle change as it would be for most people probably or many people that is was there someone who inspired you to have children I suppose your wife. Yeah, no, no, nothing specific beyond just, yeah. Just the idea of uh, having a family was, you know, sounded nice, but also, yeah, quite, quite ambivalent feelings. Were you researching like me, artists who have had kids or people, (laughs) people who have accomplished things who have kids? I'll I'll just look up. Basically, anyone and see how many kids they've had. <laughs> I'm not as ambitious as you, I guess. Anyone uh, who has done something remarkable 
and have no, kids. No, yeah, I have not. I didn't. I didn't consider that at all. Actually, that's just that's quite telling. Uh, but no, I did not. Do you not. know? Do you know any artists personally with kids? Yeah, well, one of the, my friends who I went to school with uh, works in animation. He has two kids, but I don't really see him much. He's lives in the OC, um, Orange County, but uh, but I think. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it outside of my boss and just more acquaintance type people online. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. If it's just that artists are tremendously immature and they have a really good excuse for being so, which I think is true. Or if they're getting like a little hit off of that generative thing and they don't need to make life because they, they make things all the time. I think, it's, I think it's much simpler. I mean, maybe the maybe some of the immaturity angle maybe but i think just uh, just the financial angle has got to be i would imagine is the biggest for most people or most artists but i'm just going to disagree with that i don't interesting think, really. i don't i don't think so I, I a lot of artists i know i can't even imagine them being responsible for another person in any way and if you think about the process of most art making it's so solitary and egocentric that and it requires a a large chunk of time in which you're uninterrupted i just don't think they mesh well for most people yeah and i I really do think artists are deeply irresponsible and immature (laughs) and that's that's mostly learned from dating them and running a gallery so i feel like i've yeah, you've got some authority on that. Probably. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think it's I mean it's I don't think it's shocking in any way. Uh no, you're right. When I think about the people I know that yeah, people I went to school with or and other people I've met over the years, you're you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's also mental stability. You know, you're stable and I could see you having kids. There's maybe another I could probably count them on my hand, artists I know who I think could have kids and and raise them well. Uh, whether they could continue to make the art is a different question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the interesting one to me. Yeah, I guess time will tell for me at least. Um, I think I, I will in a small way for. I think you a, will a while more at least, but um, I think I'm too. I love it. I love art and stories and like fiction and mythology too much to not want to participate in that in a small way, in my own way. But, um, but yeah, we'll see. It is, but I was having these issues even before my, my son was here. So it's just, yeah, there's definitely just something I'm going through. Maybe there's a midlife, a little midlife crisis happening, but I think he's going to inspire you to make more art. That's my guess. That would be amazing. I mean, it's hard to imagine, but that would be, that would be nice. <laughs> and his name is Silas? Silas, yes. And how do you arrive at that name? Um, well, it's actually a name my wife has liked for a while. Um I can't remember. It wasn't, it took us a bit to, to get to it actually, but I can't remember who 
brought it up. I think she probably brought it up first, but then, oh, you know what? No, no, here we go. I think I, we had, we're thinking of a different name in Sylvan, or that's something that I liked the idea of. Um, but there's, which is kind of related to like, you know, the, the Roman, like, foresty, woody god. Um, yeah. Something, yeah, a little more rural vibe. But then there's these things called Sylvan Learning Centers, which I wasn't even aware <laughs> yes. of. But yeah, I had I didn't know what those were, but it's like, okay, that name's Alan. But Silas is is a version of that because it's related to Sil- uh, Silenus or Sylvanus. Sorry, not Silenus. Um, Sylvanus, which is a Roman uh, you know, god of the I woods. I see that. Type. I see that. I'm looking that up. That's yeah. nice. That fits nicely into what you do. It yeah, also so- makes me think, have you seen the Green Knight? I have. It seems that at least visually, you must love that film. Um, yes, it was it was spectacular uh, visually. Uh, I sadly read the poem before the movie came out because I was pretty excited for it, and I, I should know better because I'm I'm a terrible person to watch a movie with if I've read the source material because I'm rarely happy. Uh, so really you have like a fidelity thing where you're like, why is that not the same as it was when it was written? Sadly I do. Uh, how odd. (laughs) I know it's pretty terrible. Um, I mean, it's not like, uh, I'm not a stickler about things, but, um, it just, if I'm expecting things, I think this is the bigger issue. If I'm expecting certain things to happen or I have this, this shape of the story in the back of my head while I'm watching something and it starts subverting that, it kind of, it's distracting to me, I think, to where if I yeah. did, had no awareness of the source material, I could just sit and absorb it and enjoy it more and not be in my head as much, which is, I think that's the main issue is not so much being a stickler to the, about maintaining, uh, the, the sanctity of the text or anything. So, yeah, you're comparing. So just watching. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very different. I enjoyed it. I did not read the poem. I think it had pacing issues. But the upside, the visuals, the sounds of the Green Knight walking mm. and talking, those are unforgettable things. Yeah, there's some some great moments. But uh, I know you like the Green Man, so he definitely has a Green Man. Yeah, it's related. Thing going on. Yeah, is it? Sure. Is it? I think so. I mean, you know, I'm no no expert, but I know you know Green Men were you know in England or. In, monasteries and things and they were kind of squirreled away in in um churches and they're just yeah nature spirits uh i don't think there's a whole lot of like texts about them but um or folklore surrounding them but uh but yeah i think it's got to be related yeah i i don't know much about the green men but i think we had discussed it a while back green men yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a fun, fun different varieties. I can't remember the, the terminology, but where if there's, you know, flora sprouting from the mouth, they're this type, or from the eyes, mm. or from the nose. There's like different flavors of green man. Um, 
which is fun. But yeah, I think they just, you know, represent nature and seasons, renewal, change, all that type of stuff. But um, yeah. Yeah, you'll find this, this symbols of the past aren't trying to do that much, which is why they're potent. Like it could just be, yeah, it just represents spring or mm. green or green or forests or, and then it's just visually stacked on top of that. It doesn't have like 15 conceptual facets that are all interwoven. Right. They're, or like bull's horns look like crescent moon. So, <laughs> yeah. which is, you know, it's a, yeah, dumbing it down, but yeah, it's, it's potent in that way, I guess. I don't know if it's dumbing it down. It's just more. The way I said it is dumbing it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can feel it without any explanation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love symbols. Uh, I've got, you know, some books on it. And it's, yeah, that's some of my favorite stuff to look at. It's just, just because it feels potent. It feels like it has meaning in a, in a world these days that it feels like, you know, so much is stripped of all meaning. It kind of feels cozy to to look at some texts or symbols that you know you can read exactly how they were viewed in olden times. Yeah, it's pretty horrific how meaningless. I mean, I, I have my theories about what has caused that. Largely, a scientific materialist framework for viewing everything in this mm-hmm. very dull meaningless just kind of atomic way mm-hmm. and then that's why the question of having a child is so perplexing for most people modern people because if they're honest and most of them are not but the narrative they say is it's just another meat sack or it's just another it's just flesh from a materialist perspective it doesn't make sense why would you struggle to make another flesh sack that's going to make your life less enjoyable. <laughs> and that's how people talk about it. You know, it's it's incredible how discouraging people are about the fundamental act of life and the only reason that you or I exist. So I think there's something strangely subversive that shouldn't be about having a child. And you are strangely subversive in how steady you are as a individual who is an artist. And I find those people very interesting, you know, cause you dated for what, 12 years before getting married <laughs> more, but we don't need to go there. Yeah. A long yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Finally feeling him. Oh boy. Yeah. I didn't appreciate that jab. That's not the time. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I appreciate how uh, defensive. I am you defensive. Are. Yeah, I appreciate about that. It. You got my back, but it was. I really didn't see the the barb <laughs> in that dumb little hashtag that you did until it was brought to my attention. Really, you know. Oh, it's really, there. You're I, looking I, for it. It's more self-deprecating. Cause I, I, was you probably made that? One, I may have, I don't even remember. I mean, it, uh, it's alliterative, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. fun, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of was finally because it's just like, uh, we dated for like 15 years. So yeah, this is the true, this true anomaly. 
amongst the artists. These people I'm seeking out more and more because the, the, the artist stereotype is so boring. It's largely performative and I think largely infantile at this point. There was probably a time where being, you know, really open and chaotic and sexually liberated and amoral was a subversive and, and deeply interesting thing to be. But that's most people now. And or at least most people that you're bumping into and seeing online, because there's a huge swath of people in this country that are still very, I mean, I should say artists. Yeah. Okay. Artists specifically. Yeah. There's like, there's a, I think it's a luxury identity. I mean, it obviously is a luxury identity from a lot of perspectives, but there's more and more artists, uh, there must be more artists than ever. And there's seems to be most of them are obviously not artists, but you know what I mean? There's more people in that position pretending to be artists. I believe because of what the identity allows for. Hmm. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is, is there's, you get leeway with it far more than you should. And I've certainly taken liberties with it in my life, but I don't think you have. And I respect that. <laughs> I guess it's not in my personality, but uh yeah, I don't know. It wasn't a conscious choice, just who I am, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but you see how that your identity is at odds with the typical Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh I can see which, that. Which ironically drives you away from I think it inevitably drives you away from the mass, the masses of the artists, the scenes, et cetera, because yeah. it's, it's less relatable. And we all know the best artists are not in the middle of the scene ever. I've never met a good artist who didn't exist on the outside fringe of the, the circle. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I don't, I haven't done, yeah, I haven't really thought about that, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying I haven't. Yeah, yeah. They no, all I, have the, I, I they, really they all the same that. propensity. It's as if they're embodying the same principle that they want to exist on the outside of a category or form uh, and just kind of observe it and do their own thing, but not be kind of pulled into the center of the mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which makes for some, some strange personalities. Absolutely. But what I'm trying to, to definitely figure out, and, and this brought, this brings it up in my mind is I'm kind of interested right now in conservative behaving artists. And I would put having, I would put having children in that category. I'm not, right. talking, about, I'm not talking about political, no, about yeah, yeah. behavioral. Yeah. Because it's far more interesting when someone is responsible and put together. And I think mature and self-sacrificing and they can also enter the shadow realm of creativity with, and when they open that door, they're not completely falling apart psychically. Yeah. And I think that's what I was so inspired by, or the reason I was so inspired by Jane Wolf is just, I mean, there's plenty of other writers like that, but he was just uh, a focus of mine for a while. Um, it was just how, I mean, he was, uh, 
converted to Catholicism to marry his wife. Um, so he was probably politically conservative as well, but, um, but yeah, just how stable and normal he seemed while creating some amazing works of art uh, at the same time was, uh, was interesting to me. Like you don't need to be some, yeah, bohemian get yeah. gallivanting around to, to create meaningful work. And, um, yeah, that was, that was definitely inspiring yeah, for, for me, me as it, someone who could relate to how, uh, as you said, just kind of a little bit of a homebody stable for the most part. Um, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's an economic concern, right? Like there's, there is an exhaustive and excessive amount of politically liberal and behavior and morally liberal artists. And they're frankly very boring over time. Um, they're predictable in their unpredictable natures. And it would, it seems logical that it would follow if you're a mess and you can't keep an appointment like I failed to do <laughs> several times for this podcast, <laughs> uh, that you would also make art. And that's the stereotype. But it also seems to me pretty clear that in your th in your thirties, most of those people have been weeded out as completely unprofessional. I was gonna say, you did, art takes so much discipline that you, you can't really have it both ways. Um, right, there's, right. There's no way around that. There's no shortcut there at all. And that's what school should have been teaching. And my school was pretty good about that. Uh, it's not what I was looking for at the time, I don't think. But I was too immature to pick it up, but you need a serious scaffolding mentally to deal with the power of what you're unleashing. If you're dealing with anything powerful, obviously a lot of art is just superficial fluff, but when you get into the deeper stuff, I think you need a really strong structure. Hmm. Now yeah, first, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, just the, the school I went to definitely was is known, kind of known as like a somewhat corporate school, um, which it, soon after graduating kind of longed for a, a more kind of open, interesting, kind of maybe a little more party atmosphere for a school. But um, the, the school I went to has probably suited me more anyways. Yeah. Quite, quite serious, quite... Um, quite structured and intense. I think most art schools are more than non-artists realize. And they're always shocked by you're in class for eight hours. And if you miss three classes, you fail automatically. Of course, this <laughs> wasn't true because they need to get money off the kids. Yeah, who suck. The, that's the, that's the, uh, yeah. Anyways. yeah. And you got to crit those kids and, and whatnot. But yeah, that, that's what, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm interested in is what does an artist look like in their thirties and forties? Since there seems to be such a fixation with youth and party artists, which again is just not interesting to me, but what does it look like when they start maturing? Because one of the questions I ask myself very often is, what does a mature artist look like? Because so much of what we associate with making art 
is conflated in my mind with immaturity. So you should be childlike or spontaneous. A lot of those things run contrary to having a career as an artist or even being able to make sustained work as an artist, you know? I wonder how much of this you're how much of that type of artist is on your radar because of the the scenes you're around because i'm I'm thinking of other like like niches mm-hmm. in the art world and it doesn't seem like that would hold true like the kind of animation indie comic alt mm-hmm. comic mm-hmm. world i think is probably uniquely um kind of immature in that regard and well, I think animators have need discipline, so I think they're probably more okay. Yeah, not animation, but I guess I, I'm thinking of the the indie comic scene in relation to that because there's definitely a, a parallel there. But um, well, I'm liking the pushback, but I don't. I think we just disagree. Like, if we're talking about crafts people, craftsmen, uh, I find that crafts inspire much more one i actually think conservative people uh, because they're interested in tradition typically they're interested in carrying a tradition but two i think they tend to be more down to earth and structured and disciplined because they're dealing with real material and it talks back in a very real way Mm. but i find when you're playing with ideas especially conceptual ideas and or drawing i don't think it's as strong as as wood talking back or ceramics where they have it's almost scientific what you're doing and it forces you i think to have a more mature dialogue with the material yeah you have more uh experience in that world than i do so couldn't say but there might be something there. I don't know. I, just, I was trying to think while you're talking about uh, artists, about people I admire the most, and if they seem like they're you know a little more bohemian or mm-hmm. uh, a little more closed. I, yeah, it was just yeah to think about that a bit more. Um, I mean, it's a stereotype, but stereotypes are usually right to a degree, and. I don't think it's always been true, you know? I don't think this is like a for thousands of years type thing. Yeah. But besides Wolf, who actually still inspires you? Um, well, another writer, John Crowley, was up there. Um, not so, not in the way that Wolf, like, cause I think Gene Wolf was just kind of like exploded, exploded my brain when I first came across him years ago, which led me eventually to John Crowley. But, um, um, but Wolf is your North Star. He had been. I haven't read any of his stuff in a little bit, but, um, yeah, he, he definitely was for quite a while. Um, is, is there a visual artist who's that central or is that too close to home? Not that, not as central as, as Gene Wolf was really. Um, 
Well, that's smart because it would be bad to have a visual artist be that central, I think. And there, there's some that are like that I love quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I think be, it being a fiction writer and um, that helps because, yeah, it's it's a different different medium, obviously. And what he does with that medium is just uh, mind blowing to me. My first read book of the new sun, it just, uh, yeah, my brain had never, what he does with, with language and description really kind of blew my mind and yeah, all the puzzles in it as well. Um, but, but yeah, there, there are some artists that like Mobius was that for a little bit. Uh, but he never really like influenced my work in any way. I don't think, um, Dennis Forkus these days is also someone I like looking at a lot, even though his online presence isn't very strong. Um, I think you think there's a phase in which you can't ingest influence visually, because I remember Miyazaki talking about seeing Mobius's work. And although Nausicaa is clearly influenced by him that i believe the quote is some something along the lines of i wish i had seen that earlier so i could have integrated it into my style mm. but like but almost like it's over uh i mean clearly with miyazaki the style is so solid that i could get from his perspective like oh i can't change the way i draw but i could draw a thing that looks or a world that looks similar but yeah. I'm not going to change the way I draw. So is there in your, thir- it seems like maybe in late twenties, thirties, there's a, is, I'm, I'm wondering if that's inevitable that there's this like cap that you have to put on that aspect and allow yourself to be influenced by the content of something else or the world, but not changing your style all the time. I mean, I think that's where I've been for a while. It's just the content is what, interests me um and i look at other artists and get a little envious and like i wish i could draw like that or what have you but um when i'm actually get down to making something it's always the content that is what's top of the mind that's why that's probably why the ideation process takes so long um so yeah i think for me that definitely is the case i don't have it on draw I don't think I'll be drawing much differently till you die. Probably not. There'll be cha- like mediums will change and yeah, it'll be, it'll, it'll change a bit, but not, not anything drastic. And I think that would be strange. And if it did, it would feel artificial if it changed in a big way, I think. That yeah. It, cool. it almost makes me feel like, uh, I mean, I believe in the souls, but it feels like that to me where, I used to think you could run away from yourself or draw yourself away. And then I would always just return back. I Mm. couldn't get away from some gravitational center, which to me suggests it's not just like this performative uh, collection of influences. It's this unavoidable idiosyncratic person at the base that you just can't get away from. And that's beautiful and good. Uh, I think if you could train train that though, like if you instead of like coming at it from a style angle, if you just started figure drawing a lot, (laughs) if that would 
Like, yeah, I've thought about that recently, honestly. I have such a disrespect for for your drawing. <laughs> like I, I wanted I wish I had the time to do it because it uh I feel like that would help me hone up my chops a little bit, but you know, I don't I don't know. I it's just arbitrary wall I built at some point against figure drawing. I, I wanna knock it down. I'm admitting to that, but I had a weird because so much illustration was based around the human form, which it should be. But in college, I always want to do the opposite. So I was always trying to draw and communicate things abstractly without showing humans. Mm. And so I also just thought there wasn't value in it at some point, which is ridiculous because it's maybe the most valuable thing. And as I become more and more uh, Christian, I understand that the central thing is the human. And that's why all the art is focused on human figures and and that expression. So, I mean, it's a good point. I wonder if I sat down and just kept drawing figures and then returned to try to draw comics the way I do now, what would happen? Yeah, I feel like it would have to be different. And that's, but that's less of a, a style influence and more of just... Uh... Yeah, just like you're, you're working on the foundation of your of your drawing process um i mean do you ever try to draw like someone else like you pick a person and draw like that uh not since college um but i think you did that to me once actually now i'm thinking about it i did it to you yeah you sent me you sent me a drawing acting as if you were me it was funny (laughs) but it was still clearly you what was it oh was something vulgar Oh, this I'll is the, to... oh, I know what it was. It was for <laughs> you, for you and Neve. Is that what you're referring oh. to? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I stand yeah. by those. Those are some of my best work. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this. Mobius had four kids. Oh, wow. And one of them is called Nausicaa. No way. Wow. Nausicaa Girard. Girard. Wow. See, there's no excuse then. How can there be, there's mean, always an asterisk next to Mobius. <laughs> no, no, you gotta be. No you gotta pretend sometimes that you're four kids and he's still doing it like that. I mean, this oh dude was God, working dude. in like Hollywood. He was he was raking in the money. I'm sure. So it's interesting. You're on the financial tip a lot. Well, I mean, it's it's real because like he he probably his wife was probably a homemaker. I'm assuming she stayed at home with the kids and he yeah, yeah. brought in, brought in the, the dough with his art where right now I scaled back to part-time with a day job and my wife is working full-time 6 a.m. to 2. And so I'm working yeah. nights from 2 to 10 on the days that I work and her parents are coming up. So I'm working a normal schedule shift that day. Right. right and right, the right. two other days in the week, I'm, quote unquote, she gets quote unquote off at two or around two or three. And then I can technically for two days of the week, have like three until whatever to, to work on my stuff. But you know, then the weekends, but there's, you know, inevitably, inevitably just a lot of other things that need to happen in life. So that's a real, it's a real consideration. That's money, but which is directly tied to time and how much time you have to work on your art if the art isn't what's bringing in money at all. So it's, yeah, uh, I mean, 
that's part of my concern with compartmentalizing. And we talked one time for like two hours about decompartmentalizing or compartmentalizing. I don't know if you remember that, but, uh, I don't, it seems to me that's flattering. It seems to me that <laughs> I have a terrible memory. man. It's all the CTE, you know? Yeah. Yeah. From football. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that, I'm trying to decompartmentalize more and more. Like I want to be able to make the money with the creative thing I do. I want it to serve my community. I want it to be fulfilling as well. And I think that's completely possible. You just might not end up making for, for me like comic books, you know, and I came to that realization that that was always evident to me. I wasn't going to make money making the comics I make. Yeah, but maybe you know, there's always, there's always a suspicion in me that once you develop an identity as a as a cartoonist or whatever illustrator, there's a fear of ch- undermining that, you know, challenging that because well, you'd have to start over, I guess, and it's almost and it almost feels like cheating on someone. Also, like, what if there is something you like more than that? It could still be creative design work or something uh but that's largely been my trajectory realizing like oh as a child i just like making things and no one makes anything anymore so they picked me up and said this is an artist because he draws but i think in the past it's, it's very possible i would have just been a carpenter carpenter designer you know yeah i mean i i relate to that in a big way and uh commend you for the effort at decompartmentalizing because it does sound like it would be incredibly fulfilling uh, to be able to serve all those different functions in your life um and i, I mean, definitely you lose, you lose something for sure i'm not yeah i'm not suggesting you don't lose your idiosyncratic expression at times yeah i mean you you do but if you can decompartmentalize and bring a lot of that stuff together you can still have some time to to work on your little idiosyncratic other art practice uh, which I think is the what truth you're is, doing right now yeah but i think the truth is you you it starts to lose its allure because it feels like a castrated thing it mm-hmm. just it feels like one slice of a pizza pie instead of the whole thing you know it's just this self expression but you can self express within a far more holistic activity creatively. Mm. And that that's kind of the, the rub for me right now. It's like uh, where there used to feel like a need to make comics. I, again, because I think I was just in a much more narcissistic and self-centered place. I was just into myself and horrible at relationships. And mm. uh, I just wanted to sort that out and draw. But as I move beyond it, it's like, it's a little troubling. I'm not, I'm not going to lie because it's cool to make comics and there are a lot of comics I'd like to make. I've, I maybe have a different problem than you. I've maybe too many ideas and then selecting the proper one can be a problem. But now as you start to experience these bigger things, it's almost like when you, when you feel that beautiful act of helping another person or being in service of someone else, I'm sure you'll feel that with the child. Uh, what it inevitably means is you don't have 
as much time for your self-centered activities. Yeah. Which are less fulfilling, I think, actually, in reality. But as an an artist, that that sounds uh, almost counterproductive. Decompartmentalizing sounds counterproductive, is that? No, uh, the feeling of (laughs) what I would consider maturity, which is serving others and and feeling the... I see, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, decompartmentalizing is the goal. I think it really is the goal. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that seems so out of reach for me at this point. Um, It's not. You know it's not. I mean, my hope is that having a child forces you to... It's obviously going to force you to grow in different ways, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess just the the art making, I don't think I will ever be my... Or, like, the sole source of income. Um, So I think inevitably it will need to be... If I keep making stuff like I'm making now, I will need to be decompartmentalized a bit. Um, which I've been at peace with for a while. I mean, not fully, because I still wrestle with, with that and wish I could just, yeah, have a more of a career with what I do make. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think you could, but you know, it's an interesting question of if you'd have to curb the, you know, I used to think that way you'd have to curb your, or carve away at your idiosyncrasies to be more acceptable. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that's one approach and not an optimal one. I think the same could be said for maturity or adulthood that, you know, you could reduce yourself down to your most basic unit to be of service and, and be acceptable in society, but you're going to lose something integral at that moment. Hmm. So I think, I think everyone is faced with the same problem. The artist just thinks it's a little more, uh, urgent, I think. Yeah. But we're exhausted. (laughs) <laughs> we're is that the royal were <laughs> yeah are you exhausted am i exhausted i mean it's good it's good to see that you're not exhausted you know no i mean i'm yeah it comes and goes but for the most part no i'm, I'm doing i'm doing all right um but you think you're, you think you're gonna think you're better than people because you have kids i already do yeah, I, I get, I mean, that's completely valid. That's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely don't. I mean, no, absolutely not. You think, you think you're going to think you're wiser than people because you, you're going to have kids? No, I know I'm dumb as shit. Dude. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say you were smart, but oh. I do think it's, it's, I mean. Well, you don't think I'm smart? I don't know if you're, I mean. Uh, no, no, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say you were dumb or smart, but I'm saying wisdom has nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you could be dumb as hell and super wise, I think. But I mean, having children is like studying humans for at least 18 years. So I think more and more, I respect my elders, especially oh, my, man. especially my parents who had five kids, you know, 
I mean, but that that's assuming that you're actively studying the children. You're you're you know, plenty of parents aren't aren't doing that. Uh, I think you you have to in some. I mean, maybe I've just I have good parents, but and maybe I assume as a parent I would be very attentive. But yes, of course, there's outliers. But I think uh, I don't know. I just have respect for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if, definitely. It's, if it's done well, I have respect for it. Yeah, no question. And the thing I have the most respect for is obviously now the artist-parent combination. To, to bring it full circle. Well, you're welcome. And that's it for the first episode of Blind Shovel with Jesse Fillingham. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Mingja Chen. Next week, we've got Neve Bavarsky. See you then.